2020 was a difficult year, and its echoes can still be heard in voices all around us. Hi, I'm Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. It seems like everyone is telling us how we ought to think, act, talk, and overall just live. It's time to turn our attention to the one who created us. It's time to hear what God has to say about how we should live and what we should be. In this series, we will unpack five truths that if lived out can change our lives in powerful ways. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, West Valley Christian Church. How we doing? Oh, come on now. Let's hear it. And for those of you joining us online, let's give a shout out to our friends joining us online. And uh, it is so good to be in the house. And I just love that song that we just sang, Reckless Love of God. Here's what this pastor thinks. Our world needs a good dose of the reckless love of God. Amen? And before I go picking on the world, I think the church needs a good dose of the reckless love of God. And before I pick on the church, let's narrow it down. This guy right here needs a good dose of the reckless love of God. How about you? Well, today we're concluding our series on B. And I started the year off by sharing what West Valley's theme is for this year. Are you ready? It's B. Why? Well, because the world has told us how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to eat for 2020. 2021, it's time to say, God, how do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to think? How do you want me to act? Amen? And we've been tearing apart a beautiful verse. It's our theme verse for this year, and it's in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And if you've memorized it, uh, why don't you share it with me as I share it right now. Are you ready? Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And then what's the final four words? Do everything in love. I don't want to do everything in love. Am I the only one? Like those four words, they sound so beautiful when you hear them and you need to live it that way towards Pastor Rob. But when I have to live those four words, not so much. So that's where we're going to camp out today is on those four words. And we're going to close out this series on B. Before we do that, I'm going to ask wherever you're at, bow your heads, and I'm going to ask that you and the Lord talk first. You say, Lord, help me to listen and help me to grab a hold of what it is that you want me to hear today. And then I'll close this off in just a bit. God, as we prayed earlier out in our service on the lawn, just... Hours ago, we pray now, and we say thank you. Thank you for your reckless love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the church. Thank you for our brothers and sisters. Thank you, God, for your word and how it fills our cup. Thank you for what you're going to do today through your Holy Spirit. God, help me. In my weakness, may you be strong. God, we look forward to what you're wanting to do in and through us today. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. So, do everything in love. What does that look like? Uh, Chuck Swindoll writes this in a, one of his books. He says, a little girl lost a playmate in death. One day, uh, she reported this to her family and said that she had gone to comfort the family. Actually, the sorrowing mother specifically. What did you say to her, said the father. Nothing, she replied. I just climbed in her lap and I cried with her. I just climbed in her lap and cried with her. Is that a picture of love? I think that's a picture of love. We could share all sorts of stories about what love is. But here's what I want you to do. Uh, The first point for today is this, God and love. God and love. You see, up to this point, we've learned that, that Paul wrote this verse or these verses in a letter to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, if if you don't remember, uh, I want to remind you, come full circle, the context in which uh, he wrote this letter. And context is always important. Paul is writing to this church that that he was so much a part of, and he helped raise the leaders. And and as he's writing this this, this letter, he's thinking about uh, single people in there, and he's thinking about married people that maybe he he performed the marriage ceremony with. He's thinking about those long nights and those hard conversations that he had with certain individuals. I mean, it wasn't just like a letter out of, out of nowhere. He knew these people. But, but let me remind you, he is writing, he is writing because they've wavered, because they've felt the pressure of sin coming upon them and really amongst them. So he's speaking to the church. They felt the pressure to give in, to compromise, and adopt to their environment. And I want to read to you what one commentator said. He said he is basically, Paul, Paul is basically writing to teach them how to live in a corrupt society. Go figure. Paul is telling them how to live in a corrupt society. Does this ring a bell? And that's why, as I've been reading this and studying it and, and, and preaching on it, it's like, it's like we've come full circle in some ways. And again, we don't have the hardest that life has ever been. I've shared that many times. It just might be our hardest here uh, during this season of life. But Paul is combating and he's challenging the church, not non-Christians. He's challenging the church to wake up. That's why he says, be on your guard and stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong. It's because this is the end of the letter and he's walking out the door like a parent and going, and uh, don't forget, and don't forget. And he sums it up all this way. Wouldn't you and I, wouldn't you and I benefit to live this today? Again, temptation is to think about everybody else that needs to hear this, but I need to hear this We need to hear this. So God in love. The Greek, uh, which the New Testament is written in that language, there's actually, uh, in my studies, there's six definitions that are given. But there's really three that uh, are are dominant, that we we talk about. And that's probably the way the word love is translated most. And I just want to run through that real quick. Uh, One of the ways is philos, and and that is a brotherly kind of love. And we think of uh, Philadelphia, right? Brotherly love. 
Uh, I think of Romans chapter 12, verse 10, and it says this, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. This is, this is brotherly love. This is how that's defined. Um, then there's eros, love, Ooh. hearts, candy, Cupid, Valentine's, outside of beer and getting drunk, what most country songs are all about, and really classic rock. I want to know what love is, you know, all that good stuff. Sorry, I'll leave it there. This is the Eros kind of love. And then there's agape. And by the way, if you want to look a little bit about Eros, just read the book of Songs of Solomon. You'll get some romantic love there. But then we go to uh, Eros, or agape. In agape, uh, there's different ways to, to translate it out, but a simple way is unconditional love. Can you say that? Unconditional love. Let's say it again. Unconditional love. And oh, by the way, that's how this word is translated in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's not a romantic love or even a brotherly love, and not that those things are bad, but it's an unconditional love that Paul is calling the church to, and I think that God is calling the church to. So let's, let's dig into this word a little bit. And, and what I'm thinking is there's so many ways in which we could def, uh, uh, illustrate this. Because really, this book right here, Genesis all the way to Revelation, is a love story, isn't it? It's a love story. And, and so I'm going to narrow it down to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And if you could turn there with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. So whose love? God's love. God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still what? While we were still what? Sinners. This is so important. And if I don't come back like I said to this, just, just remember this. This is important as we talk about love. While we were still sinners, not when we had figured it all out, not when we deserved it, not when we got cleaned up, not when we confessed, not, 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 not. But it says, while we were still sinners, and then here's the good part. Christ what? Christ died for us. Who did he die for? He died for us. Who were we? We are sinners. Sinners simply means we miss the mark. That, that God has said, this is how we ought to live, and we've turned our back, and we said, eh, I'll do it my way. And so sin separates us from God. It probably hurts the heart of God, just like if my boys were to disobey me as their father. But this is so important. While we were still sinners, it doesn't say you deserve it. It doesn't say you've earned it. It doesn't say that I love you because you think like me. Oh, did I just touch somebody? See, this message is not fun. I'm just going to shoot straight. This is a hard message. I knew this message has been coming. And I almost handed it over to Pastor John because he, he's, he's so good at love. <laughs> me, not so good. But that, it's true. And please hear me. Whatever I say today, check with the scripture, okay? And know that it's not Pastor Rob that's saying this. It's God that's saying this. And that's what is important. While we were sinners, 
Christ died for us. I do not deserve the action of this kind of love. How about you? I don't deserve this action of love. I am not worthy of this action of love. I did not earn this action of love. Did you? Did you do anything so grandiose that God sent his son to die for you? I don't think so. John 3, 16, if you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what, believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is agape love. This is unconditional love. We can read and and spew out all sorts of definitions of love, but God gave us the best illustration of love in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Again, I'm not worthy of it. You're not worthy of it. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We're all in the same boat. Does that make sense? You're like, oh, I know where he's going. I don't like this. Well, good. Because that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. You can't give what you haven't experienced. And as I continue to speak today, I think one of my struggles is this. If I'm trying to do everything in love like God has called me to do in my flesh, I'm going to fail miserably. How about you? Right? Because if I were to define love, I would say, I'll love you because you deserve it. I'll love you because I find you worthy of my love. I'll love you because, do you see what I'm saying? And I put all these conditions on it. When I read 1 Corinthians 16, I don't see conditions. When I hear about the good news of of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God so loved me, I don't see conditions. The only condition that I see is I didn't deserve it. Are you with me? There's so many ways to illustrate this. There's a story in Luke 15. It's it's a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I'm going to encourage you uh, to read it. And you at home, I'd encourage you to read this at a a later time. But basically, the story goes like this. There's this father that's worked really hard. And, and, And he's saved up, and he's provided, and he's cared for his family. He sacrificed at all sorts of levels. And again, and you put this in the context of the culture, there's so much more to this story, but that's not the purposes of today. But go, go research it. it. It's good stuff. But basically, one day, the younger son went to the father and says, Dad, uh, I want my inheritance early. And there's all reasons why that was wrong and that most people would not have done what the father did. But eventually, the story tells us that the, the father gave into the son, didn't he? So he wrote him the check. The son goes, and he cashes it in. He buys GameStop, <laughs> and now he's worth $22 million. No. Bring it back. He doesn't invest in stock. He invests in himself, doesn't he? He invests in all the pleasures of this world. And all that money that his father worked hard for and sacrificed He just went out and made it rain. For who? All the friends that all of a sudden he had. Because now he's got wealth and now the friends are going to go and he can pick up the bar tab and and he can buy the, the, the expensive hotels. And I know they didn't have that stuff back then, but you know what I'm talking about. 
He lived it up. And he lived it up and he lived it up. And then the story goes like this. He lived it up and didn't check the bank account. And eventually, when he swiped his card, no funds available. Next thing you know, you fast forward and he's, he's, he's in a pigsty. Maybe he's laying there with mud and a bunch of pigs. And he thinks to himself, oh my gosh, maybe my father's servants at home are living life better than I am right now. Now, you open up your Bibles and we're going to look at Luke 15. Again, we're, we're talking about love here. Luke 15 verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father But while he was still a a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? His father was filled with splachnizomai, which is uh, the, the Greek word for compassion, which is love from the gut. This is a love that he's talking about. It's a love from the gut, spaknitomai. It's not a, oh, you know, a fluttering little heart that sees someone and, oh, I want to give you seized candy and a bouquet of flowers kind of love. It's not what we see on the Hallmark Channel, not picking on the Hallmark Channel. But it says he has compassion. And, 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 and he has compassion for his son. And, and when he saw his son, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and, and he kissed him. See, what we, we don't understand, is, it would be the same today in some level, but the culture back then especially would have happened when they, they got word in the community that the father had actually given up part of his inheritance already to the youngest son, not the eldest son. He would have been criticized for that. He would have been looked down upon for that. He would have been ridiculed for that. There may have even been some shame imposed on him and his family because of that decision of the young man. And the young man didn't give a rip and he just threw it in the father's face and did everything he could for himself. But again, we saw the father had compassion. I always, this isn't in the text, but I always, picture, I always picture dad on the front porch. Kind of like one of those southern homes, big front porch. One that you see on Property Brothers, if you ever watch that. Rocking on his chair. And every evening, just, just looking for his son on the horizon to come over. I don't know how many nights that happened. Was it weeks? Was it months? We don't know. But we get back to this, 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 this passage and we see what? He comes across the horizon. Here's what blows me away about this story too. The father didn't sit in the rocking chair and go, finally, I'll make that boy come to me and I am gonna give him a lesson. Like Mike Brady on the Brady Bunch, right? Everything was a lesson for those poor kids. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that he saw his son and he did what? He ran to him. And he opened up his arms and it says he gave him a hug and kissed him. And then the story goes on. He says, he says, uh, (laughs) the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened carne asada. We're gonna party. Extra guacamole. And a little El Pastor. I'm really hungry right now and that sounds good. 
Vallarta's here I come. He's ready to celebrate. Again, let me remind you, did he deserve this love? Did the young son deserve this love? Matter of fact, he would deserve a beating. Maybe he'd deserve a, a shaming. Maybe he'd deserve, deserve a, a big lesson. But the father gave him a hug, a kiss, and a party. And everybody was happy that the son was home, amen? Who wasn't happy? The responsible one. The one that had done everything right when his brother did everything wrong. The one that deserved when his brother was undeserving. The one that had been faithful when his father or his brother had been what? Unfaithful. Do you catch all this? And yet, the father extended his love and his grace for his son. My heart says this is a beautiful picture of agape love. How about you? But if you're that son, you're struggling. You're struggling with all kinds of emotions. Now fast forward, brothers and sisters, to 2021. How many of you are sitting here feeling like the older son because of what's going on in life around us? How many of you are like, oh, pastor, I know the Bible says do everything in love, but I'm going to be real honest. My greatest battle in these last 10 months has probably been this topic. I know I'm probably not supposed to say that as the lead pastor of West Valley Christian Church, but it's just true. I don't want to do that. I want to do it for the people that deserve it. I want to do it for the people that I don't know that don't deserve it. Did you catch that? Like, I could love people that I don't know how they think and act and feel differently than me. Those, those people are easier to love. But you know what's really been hard for me is to really love unconditionally. Now, let me be even more vulnerable. And this might be my resignation letter. I don't know. This might be the end of me. That's all right. Whatever. I'll become a professional golfer. That won't work either. (laughs) Pastor John, that's not nice. He's still working on the unconditional love. I'm not struggling loving non-Christians as much as I'm struggling loving Christians. Did you catch that? I'm not struggling loving non-Christians as much as I'm struggling loving Christians. Non-Christians don't know any better. They haven't made a commitment to this. But it's my brothers and sisters, and please hear me, I'm not perfect in any of this. But some of the greatest stumbling blocks, and really over the last three months, I mean, the 10 months, yeah, pandemic, three months, is just, there's words I really want to use, and I'm trying to not use them. I could on the lawn because it's not recorded, but... um, I just feel like we as Christ followers have a lot of room to grow in this area. I have a lot of room to grow in this area. Love is not based on deserving. Love is not based on thinking like you and I think. Love is not based on how I act and how you act. 
If it was based on that, we'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Because when we go back to Romans, the passage we looked at, when we go back to John 3.16, the passages that we look like at, while we were still sinners, you and I didn't deserve unconditional love. We didn't earn any favor with God by our actions that caused him to send his one and only son to the cross, which led to death, which led to forgiveness for you and I? Do you see this? And I know this goes against everything in us. And I'm, I'm gonna say this, and I, I'm gonna leave you probably confused, and that's, that's probably what happens every Sunday. But anyways, um, <laughs> one of the things I've learned in this study is there's this tension. And, and, and other people can say it different ways, but for me, the tension is this. It's the Christian that is so irritated with what's going on in this world that will hear this message and say, well, pastor, you're saying we don't have a voice. Well, pastor, you're saying that we should just let all this evil happen. Well, pastor, da, 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 And I'm not, have you heard me say that? Love, love doesn't say you give permission for disobedience. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die and go, just keep doing what you're doing. I love you and just keep rebelling against God, right? But then there's this other side. And I find this in Christianity too. And I'm just gonna shoot straight. This annoys me just as much as the other one. Let's just sing Kumbaya. Let's hug everybody and just embrace everything that everyone thinks. And, and, and then we'll all just get to heaven. And that's called universalism. And progressive Christianity is pressing light into that a whole lot. And if you haven't learned about progressive Christianity, maybe we'll have to talk about that. But I want to tell you, there comes a point where truth is truth. And just because you hug somebody doesn't mean that you push like on every silly statement they make on social media to say that you love them. You can hug somebody and not tolerate the sin that's in them. You catch that? And I think we've got this issue in the church that we have to be very careful of. We have to be able to stand for truth, but do it in love and not be obnoxious and not kick people in the face. We had a guy many years ago, came from gangs, came to our church, life transformed, brought his friends, they're hanging out. Uh, We were gonna have an event after church, it was on a Sunday night, and he and his friends left and they they were gonna come back. And here's what's crazy, ex-gangbangers and stuff, we were gonna watch a Disney movie in our college group that night. How cool is that? He's coming back with his friends and I'm talking to someone at the front of the church at the end of service and they're dealing with some, some issues and I see him rushing in the back of the door. Like I knew he went to grab food and then coming back. So it's 15, 20 minutes later. He's standing there huffing and puffing. I come up to him. I'm scared to death because he's veins. And his buddy, you know, is kind of holding him back and his girlfriend. And, and, and then he, I said, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I went over to uh, afterwards to go get some food over at, uh, Jamba, uh, at, at Baja Fresh. And I'm walking by uh, the window and, and in Jamba Juice, someone mad dog me. Well, at that point, I didn't know what mad dog meant. So he, I said, what, what does that mean? He goes, he stared me down. I'm like, all right. So you went and got your tacos? No. I went in there and confronted him. He proceeds to say that he pulls out a knife and he just beats the crud out of this guy and he's got his foot on him. He goes, but pastor, he's telling me this story. He goes, but pastor, 
You spoke on love tonight, so I told him Jesus loves them. Now, remind you, mind you, at this point, I'm shaking. I'm scared because he's fired up. I grabbed him, and I pulled him, and I said, you did what? And I think sometimes that's what we're, we're doing. We're, 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 so, we're so confused on what do everything in love means. And we're sending a message to the world that is not the message that got sent to us. Is that making sense? And what's happening is I think the devil's perverting what love is. It's all about I'm right and he's wrong. I'm faithful and he's not faithful. I, I voted correct and they didn't vote correct. Brothers and sisters, what happened to listening to what this says? This says the world's going to keep getting dark. And as the world gets darker, we get brighter with love. And again, love doesn't embrace sin and, condone, and, 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 and say, oh, keep going. This is good. You have to stand for truth, but you can stand for truth and still hug for somebody. All right. It's time for Vriartus. Have you ever struggled with this? Are you struggling with this? Because this isn't a, a pretty bow on a package. I'm still trying to figure it out in my own life. I've seen some of the most heartless, unloving statements on social media from Christians. And then it causes bitterness, hatred, and, and, and frustration and anger in my own heart, which is not good either. Before you know it, we're living in Corinth 2021. First Corinthians says, verse 10, 110 says, uh, uh, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you, that you be perfectly united in mind and what? And in thought. John, 3, John 13, Jesus says this in verses 34, 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you what? If you love one another. We're called to love, agape love, unconditional love. And by the way, this is said soon after Jesus was on his knees washing the stinky, gross, long-toed, Needing nail clip pedicure feet of the disciples. They didn't deserve that. They weren't worthy of that. As a matter of fact, they, they, they dropped the ball on what they should have been doing. But Jesus loved them anyways. Which leads to point two, do everything in love. Christianity without love is not God's will or God's way. Remember, Paul had to be irritated, frustrated with this group that he was writing to because they weren't living this out. They'd given in to the things of the world. He could have just given them a whooping in, this, in there and just gone, you guys are just ding-dongs. You guys have missed the boat. You guys aren't thinking straight. Why are you not acting the way that we taught you to act? Get your act together. But instead, when he closes out the letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Verse 24, he says, my love to all of you in Jesus Christ's name. My love to all of you in Jesus Christ's name. Which goes back to probably, if you know the love chapter is where? It's in this letter. First Corinthians what? 13. That's the love letter. 
Paul defines love. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. He says, love, love, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never what? Love never fails. Bitterness does. Anger does. Resentment does. Deserving does. But love doesn't. Hmm. What's God telling you? What's God showing you on this topic of love? Do everything in love. There's so many practical examples I could give. We gave the prodigal son. Cavaretta's, our local uh, fun delicatessen Italian, partnered with us a, a few weeks ago, served 120 meals to the nurses and doctors over here at West Hills Hospital. Just a little small business that had the heart to do a loving act. Our pastor that we're supporting in Kenya, we just found out that he, he didn't have his degree because uh, he couldn't afford it from high school. And, and there's some shame that might be on campus, a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of that. And we found out it's like $1,100 to be able to have him finish his degree. And so West Valley Christian Church, we're paying for the rest of his degree. Now, for us, that wasn't a big ask. But for him, it meant the world. It's an act of love. We could love by listening. We could love by texting. We could love by writing. We could love by uh, laying in someone's lap like the story at the very beginning. And I want to close with this. I want to share another story I came across this week. It says, the name, the nurse escorted a tired, anxious man to the bedside of an elderly man. Your son is here, she said. She whispered to the, the patient, see, He had to repeat the word several times before the patient's eyes opened. He was heavily sedated because of the pain of his heart attack. And he dimly saw the young man standing alongside the oxygen tent. He reached out his hand to the young man, tightly wrapped his finger around it, squeezing a message of encouragement. The nurse brought a chair next to the bedside. Although the night, the, the, all throughout the night, the young man sat holding the old man's hand and offering gentle words of hope. The dying man said nothing as he held tightly to his son. As dawn approached, the patient died. The young man placed on the bed uh, the lifeless hand he was holding. Then he went to notify the nurse. While the nurse did what was necessary, the young man waited. When she finished her task, the nurse began to offer words of sympathy to the young man. But he interrupted her and said, who was that man? That startled the nurse. I, 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 thought, I thought that was your father. No, he's not my father. I never saw him before in my life. Then why didn't you say something when I took you to him, asked the nurse. He replied, I also knew he needed his son. And his son just wasn't here. When I realized he was too sick to tell whether or not I was his son, I knew how much he needed me. There are a lot of people out there right now as we walk out this door that need their hand held in love. And they don't have to agree with you politically. They don't have to agree with you Racially, they don't have to agree with you, even with your religious beliefs. 
They just need someone's hand that can show them love. And love earns the right to be heard. And then the gospel could be preached with words or with actions. Do everything in love. Father, that's hard. Even as I've preached that twice now this morning, I, I know it's right, but it's hard. And I pray against bitterness, and I pray against resentment, and I pray against anger, and I pray against hate in my own life and in the lives of those that are listening. And I pray, God, through an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to love like you loved us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.